Well, good morning. We have a, our connection and for the connection, it's been about stories, right? Like, or questions, right? Just asking a question and giving you all a chance to, to answer it. And so this question is hard. Yeah, or maybe not, right? So I think it'll be easier for kids than it will be for adults, but I want to give you the question and then, <clears throat> excuse me, and then talk about the question. So if you've got an answer or you want to answer it live, throw your name into the chat. But the question is this, what's the best gift that you have ever received? So that, that, that's the question. Part of just asking questions in this, um, we've been encouraging us all to be curious about people. Right. Be curious about others. When you come around the fires, it's, it's not so much about being that you have to feel like you've got something to share, but it's being quick to listen, slow to speak and slow to be angry is what James said. Right. And so um, we want to be quick to listen. And so with that is asking questions. And so this is the question for the week. And maybe even around your backyard fire, you would ask this question. What's the greatest gift you've ever received? Right? And so it's about being curious about others. And it's also, we know that in being curious, that's a meaningful question, right? And that'll be a meaningful conversation because it will include others. And so the meaningful conversations are really darn close to spiritual conversations, right? Because we know that every good gift comes from God. So what's the best gift you've received, right? It's something to just give thanks to God for, right? Some say, oh God, thank you. Like Jeff just said, what's the best gift you've ever received? Grandchildren, right? Wow, that's beautiful, Jeff, right? So I was trying to think of that. And, and, and I think I've got a list, right, for me, you know? And some of them are silly. There's people who have given me really good material gifts. And that's silly, but they're just things that I find meaningful because they, they were thoughtful, right? Um, children, right? Oh, my wife, right, for Ashley. You know what's so cool about all these gifts for the people who have given them? Um, we have the opportunity to give thanks for them, to open our mouths and say, thank you. So if the gift came from a person, right, then we can, then we can say, oh, so yeah, who, who's the one who gives children? Oh, God, God right? Gives us everything. You, you receive everything we have from God, right? So the Lord does, we give thanks, and then we can tell those people, oh, you have been the greatest gift I've received. So anybody else, anybody have a story? It's the greatest gift that you've received. Again, you can think beyond that. Sometimes... In, in the last year, I was thinking Jesse Miller was it was one of the greatest gifts I received last year because he he gave his time for Derek Crawford and I to teach us to teach me to weld. And the people who teach us things and give up their time, what a gift! You know the saying: "Teach a man to sew, and he'll make a shirt. Teach a man to weld, and he'll." Uh, there's no saying. I was making that up on the fly, and so I'm going to be quiet. But I was thankful for Jesse and just reminded me that I'd want to pick, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot Jesse a text today, all right? I'm going to call him and just say, I'm thankful for you. I, I thank God for you, right? And so that's what makes that a spiritual then conversation, even though it's meaningful. So anybody else, anybody have one that you wouldn't mind sharing? Your gift, right? It doesn't have to be the best answer, right? But it's just answer the question for the chance to connect with you. The greatest gift you've received. <laughs> That's right, Pete. Teach a man to well and he'll make a smoker. Oh, Ken, you got something to share here? Greatest gift you received? Absolutely. And I know I know we're at church and I'm going to, but I'm going to say this because I, I I so believe it, you know, for 
many, many years of my life, I was not a believer. I did not believe in God. I did not believe in Jesus. I ran away. And, and um, after I finally believed, you know, in the morning, I, I just remember opening my eyes every day and thinking, this is the greatest gift I've ever received. Just believe my faith. It, it really is. So I always think of that. So I, can, I, I couldn't resist too. Ken, I, you're earnest, you're honest, and I love it, right? It's truthful. And there's a part of even in that, when we think about even telling stories of the greatest gifts we've received, a part of that is being able to tell your story, your story of like what your life was before Jesus, how you met Jesus, and how Jesus has changed you, right? Greatest gift. And that's why I, I remember reading a book saying that the whole story of the gospel is a gift. It's an invitation to a gift. And everyone understands that everyone has a story of gift, right? So beautiful. Anne wrote, my grandmother saved $700. Oh, Anne, you're going to share it. You got to just got to tell it because I think we want to hear this story. Education. Okay. Good morning, everyone. Um, while I was growing up, my grandparents visited us at least once a week. We saw them probably more times a week, but they came out to visit us every Sunday. And my grandfather would give us, each of us, $5, a $5 bill. And my grandmother would take it away from us. We got to touch it, but she took it away from us. And she saved it all those years, many, many, many years. And so when I was 18, I was applying for nursing school. I needed $700. And um, she had that. She probably had a little bit more than that, but that is exactly what I needed. And she gave me that gift, which actually really was the start of my career and the world that, you know, I've come to know in my profession, my nursing uh, profession. So um, I have such love for my grandmother. I had loved her very much and still love her for that gift that she gave me. That is an awesome story, Anne. That is hysterical. Grandparents, what a, what a, what a great, you know, <laughs> Here's the money the grant, from the grandfather. Grandma takes it <laughs> and saves it. That is hysterical. What a gift, right? And the beauty of that, um, we were talking about being seen and being valued, right? And the personalness of that. So I love that. Love that story. And thank you so much. So God, thank you for the good. Every good gift comes from you. John the Baptist said that no person can receive something unless it's been, unless it's been given by heaven, and which means by God, right? And so, God, you give every good gift. The gift of Jesus, the gift of community, the gift of friendship, the gifts of bodies and minds and, and outside and nature and people. You, you give good gifts. And so, Lord, may we be mindful and grateful and be able to express that gratitude to you and to others. Amen. Um, great to have you. So we, we, we have a, um, our pattern, right, of giving. We'll take this moment just to sort of recognize that. Uh, this week, you're going to be receiving, I believe it's tomorrow. We, we usually affirm our budget once a year. We do that in person is what we would do. And we're not in person, right? And that affirmation, we could have done it on a poll, but that just felt weird, you're right, to have a poll 
regarding the affirmation. And we want to invite you as our family to, to affirm the 2021 budget that we've put forward. And we know we put a six month one and we did that because we just knew that this year was so different, right? From the way that we're meeting. And also we, we the likelihood of this year, like we know that um, all, all nonprofits, all churches, you're gonna, they're running on 75% of the budgets they did from the year before. So we're just being smarter about that. We're trying to communicate that. We're trying to, we're trying to pause and say, Lord, with what we have, which is out of the abundance that you have given us, how to be wise with it. And what are the things that you're telling us to put it to and to use all the good gifts that you've given us? And so we want to continue to be sharing those stories with you, but we, we, but we, we need your help. We need your help and to affirm it and to know that, hey, we're unified in what we're doing as a community. Um, and we want to invite you to participate with us. And so you're going to be receiving an email in that. And in that is a, it's like a, a Google forum that would give you the opportunity to affirm it or to not affirm it, to give feedback and comments. But also in it is going to be um, a commitment of saying, hey, I know that I'm with you. In that commitment, all that it's saying is that, hey, I'm with you. We're together in this and, and I commit to helping. I, could, I commit, you, you would, your family would, to personally playing a part in that financially. Um, that. And we're inviting people to do that consistently, having a pattern of that at least once a month. Now, when you, when you click that, if you're asking, hey, when I click that, what does that mean? Well, it, it, it just means that you're committing to it, but it doesn't mean anything. We're not keeping track of it. I won't see it. Um, I won't know who commits to it or who doesn't. We're not going to email you and saying, hey, you committed to this. Why haven't you, you know, right? So um, there, there's no legal recourse. There's no, um, but it's just a place that you get to, to say this, this invitation to be a part, right? To commit to be a part. But, but we wanted a spot for people who wanted to say, yeah, hey, count on me, count on me. Um, Jenna will see those, but Jenna is one of those persons who sees and doesn't keep count, right? So we're not, we're not going to email you about it. We're not, I won't know, but um, that is going to be, um, that's going to be sent out. But we would love for you. We'd be so honored for your feedback and your chance to affirm the budget. Um, and if you're willing to commit to, to do so, right? That we could lock arms together and pursue what Jesus is inviting us to as a community, which is, right? To continue um, to know that we will be refreshed and renewed as we um, draw closer to our neighbors, to love our neighbors, then we know that God is with those on the margins and that we'll find God there, okay? And so it's again, who we're continuing to try to be. So I wanna thank you for being together on this journey, the privilege, the gift that you are, the gift that this community is, the gift, the relationships they are, and let me give thanks to God. So Father, thank you for all the gifts that you've given us, jobs, income, opportunity, voice, relationships. And Lord, we open our hands for what you've given us and for what those things that we are willing to be generous with and give back to you. And we pray that it would be all, all that we have, that you could use it. God, nothing is off limits to you. Not our money, not our story, not our pain, not the things that have scared us. Nothing is off limits to you because you take all those things and you use them for good. Let it be, God, you're good in this world. We pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So this morning, I wanted to speak just real briefly about another one of our values. Um, we talk about our values because we live, we, we do our best to live these values out. Um, and the value that I think this connects to is the value of authentic 
community. And so here, here's the value statement regarding this value. Um, we seek to be a people that God might dwell among. Powerful statement right there. So God dwells among people. And we want to be a people whom God dwells among. Open, honest, accepting, welcoming, and non-judgmental. We recognize that we're better together than apart. So that, that's the value statement that we, that we want to live, right? That we choose that, hey, this is actually how we do it. We don't go alone in this, this journey of being a part of the family of God. That's the language that God chooses to use for us. It's one that we can recognize and understand. Um, but we seek to be a people whom God might dwell among. That, that's a big thing. God, God does choose to dwell with the people. Um, and then this value, because God says there's people that he doesn't dwell among. Um, and, and, and usually if we were kind of try to make that list of what actually um, God poses, what causes God distaste, what causes distaste in the mouth of God, you know one of the biggest thing that God says? Arrogance. It's one of the biggest ones. I think sometimes we're, 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 um, we're tempted to think that it's like not hitting a moral mark. But, it, but if God didn't dwell among those who didn't hit a moral mark, he wouldn't dwell among humans. <laughs> right? We tend to think that it's a generic sin. Right? If God didn't dwell among sinners, he wouldn't dwell among humans. <laughs> Jesus remedied that. But God says that he opposes. He stands far from the arrogant. So we seek to be a people that God might dwell among. That's, that's humility. And so that's what, so these are the characteristics that mark a people, right? That, that mark a people. Open, honest, accepting, welcoming, and, and non-judgmental. And so those are the characteristics of, of such people. And so my question, when I think about this value is, how do we be such a people that God would dwell among, right? A humble people. We know that Jesus, that God dwells among us because of Jesus, right? But he's inviting us to be this people of Jesus. And we see Jesus living this out as an open and honest and accepting and welcoming and non-judgmental and blameless and holy one. And so Jesus gives us that, his holiness, his blamelessness, his rightness with God, right? But he invites us to be a people whom God would dwell among. So I'm asking this question, but how do we be these people? And so here's my statement. And this was, um, as, I was as I was with God this week and sitting with the Lord, the Lord was speaking to me um, just out of the overflow of life. Here is my statement for us in this. My, my answer to the, how do, we, how do we be these people that God might dwell among? Here it is. We need to lay before Jesus in order to not stand in judgment of others and in order to be seated in our right minds at the feet of Jesus. Oh, what's that? Uh, no, you can have a donut right now. Yeah, go get mom. She'll help you maybe get some M&Ms. There we go, parenting at its finest. Can I read that again for you? How, um, how do we be this people God might dwell among, right? I, this is what I was kind of sensing was the invitation today. We need to lay before Jesus in order to not stand in judgment and in order to be seated in our right minds 
at the feet of Jesus. I know it's kind of a play on words and stuff, but can I, uh, I want to share some scriptures where, uh, when, when I read these scriptures to us um, and these stories, um, I'm sharing them to almost share with you how God gets my attention in them and not so much like, oh, here, let me share this story with you and teach you every intricacy about this story in the life of Jesus. Does that make sense? I'm sharing how God grabs my attention in this and how I read the scriptures and how God speaks. And God can choose to speak to you in these scriptures as well. Um, but I, I want to use this to, to get to how, I, how the Lord has been saying this statement to me to be a people who would lay before Jesus so I wouldn't stand in judgment and so I could be seated at the feet of Jesus in my right mind, okay? Mark chapter five. Jesus has just done a super miracle. Hold on, bud. Oh yeah, go get mom, ask mom to give you a call drop, yeah. Mark, Mark chapter five, Jesus has just taken this like boat trip with his disciples. He lands on the shore of his people. And then it begins to describe in Mark five an intricate detail about this man who's possessed um, by demons. And so this is in Mark chapter five, verses two. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with the chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrists and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night, he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. So that I, I was reading this text in community, right, with some friends this week, and just sort of allowing the Spirit of God, allowing the Scripture to almost read, allowing the Spirit to read me almost, right? And what stood out to me as I was reading that text was all this detail about this man who was in great need. It tells so much detail. He was helpless. No one was strong enough to subdue him. That's all they could, all they could do to help him was bind him and subdue him and isolate him, right? That was their, that was their greatest thing of what they thought they could help him. This man was alone and chaining him was the only solution to bind him right? Because they couldn't free him. They were powerless in this. And this man was hurting himself, right? And so that grabbed me that like, gosh, that is a story. So much descriptor about this person who is in turmoil and pain and helpless. And, and here's the beauty of the story. Jesus goes to that place, the place where that person dwells, the place where that person lives, Jesus shows himself there. It almost seems like just circumstantial. Jesus shows up there. And here's what this person does. In all of that, in all of this brokenness, and all of this, uh, all this, it says the man saw Jesus, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. That was this person's response. Even though this person is possessed by a ton of demons, right, and helpless, yet this person sees Jesus, runs to him. Jesus shows himself, he sees Jesus, he runs to him, and he bow. he lays before Jesus. 
That's beautiful. This week too, I was reading in John chapter. So that was one person, right? I was reading in, I was reading in the morning with friends in community and we were reading in John after Jesus had done miracles and he fed a whole bunch of people and healed a guy on the Sabbath and a whole bunch of religious people were mad over the things that he was doing and the crowds that were gathering around him. Um, and when these leaders got together, this is in John 7, here's what they said in verse 45. When the temple guards returned, because they, they, um, these leaders sent out these, uh, the guards who were from the temple to go and arrest Jesus. Um, but yet the scriptures say that it wasn't Jesus's time. So they didn't do it, right? Because God was protecting, right? That's God does. So, but, but yet they're giving an, ex an explanation. They were supposed to arrest Jesus. They didn't. So when the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and the Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? And they say, we have never heard anyone speak like this. The guards responded. Have you been led astray too? The Pharisees mocked. Is there a single one of us, rulers or Pharisees, who believes in him? This foolish crowd follows him, but they are ignorant of the law. God's curse is on him. Then Nicodemus, the leader who had met with Jesus earlier, spoke up. Is it legal to convict a man before he has given a hearing, he asked? They replied, are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. And so is that one. This just this story just grabbed me. That's all we read this morning. We were, we were discussing it in community, right? And this was a story, right? Jesus shows up. They want to arrest him. And these religious people, they mock the guards. They ridicule the crowd who's following Jesus, saying they're just fools. They're ignorant. They're stupid. They don't know they're left from their right. Right? Sure, they're following him, but they don't know a thing. And they curse them. God's curses on them. They judge them, right? They proclaim judgment upon, they stand in judgment against these people who are yet going to Jesus. They mock Nicodemus, one among them, saying, are you from Galilee too? That's where Jesus had been raised. And they say, search the scriptures and see yourself. We know what we're talking about. And yet they miss Jesus and they're standing in judgment. And so I'm, I'm, I'm reading these two stories, right? So one's a demon-possessed guy who's in incredible need, and the other is these religious leaders who think they know everything but miss it all. And, and I have to ask this question. Um, do you see the demon-possessed man or these religious leaders as having the greater need? Who, who has the greater need? Now, this, this is, there's no right answer to this. But do you see one being in greater need than the other? Are they equal? Which, which one in your opinion, right? Is the demon-possessed man in greater need or are these religious leaders? Who has the greatest need? I don't, I don't know if there's an answer, right? I mean, my answer would be like, oh gosh, they're both desperate for Jesus. They're desperate for God to intervene. I would, I would probably say the religious leaders had the greatest need because as the story goes, the demon-possessed man fell down and threw himself at the feet of Jesus. And Jesus heals him. And the religious leaders don't. And they're in their blindness and in their self-deception. 
I would say they probably have the greatest need because of their arrogance, right? Um, this week, the same day that I sat with my friends and we read that scripture in John about those religious leaders and their arrogance and their judgment as they stood in judgment, this was the psalm from the morning. It was Psalm 119. I lie in the dust. Revive me by your word. I told you my plans and you answered. Now teach me your decrees. Help me understand the meaning of your commandments and I will meditate on your wonderful deeds. I weep with sorrow. Encourage me by your word. Keep me from lying to myself. Give me the privilege of knowing your instructions. That's verse 29 of 119. Keep me from lying to myself. Keep me from self-deception. Maybe one of the hardest things to be kept from. From the lies that we've deceived ourselves with. So when I think about authentic community, right, about that we want to be people whom God dwells among, that we be open and honest and welcoming and accepting, I find this statement to be so true in order to be that people to which God dwells among. And, and he does so willingly. But our posture needs to be we are people who lay before Jesus. We need to lay before Jesus in order to not stand in judgment of others. And in order to be in our right minds and seated at the feet of Jesus. The play on the words is that that man who was possessed by demons, who was cutting himself, hurting himself, chained in shackles, Jesus freed him from the demons. And then um, he sent all these demons into these pigs and the pigs jumped off a cliff. Um, and then it says that all the townspeople heard the story and they came to see what happened. And the man was sitting there, clothed at the feet of Jesus in his right mind, right? He threw himself at the feet of Jesus. He laid and he bowed at the feet of Jesus and his brokenness. We need to lay before Jesus in order to not stand in judgment, in order to be in our right mind seated at the feet of Jesus. That's what's grabbing my attention. Being an authentic community, being in any type of community is really, really hard. But if we're a people who continually to kind of posture ourselves, laying at the feet of Jesus, knowing of how much we need Jesus, how much we need of Jesus from our self-deception and in our brokenness, uh, we can step into community and be welcoming, accepting, open, and honest, <laughs> right? And continue to say, say again, hey, we're all here. Jesus doing the miraculous in us. Um, I welcome you as a, as a fellow person laying at the feet of Jesus. Come into community. Continue to be those people. Continue to invite people to be those people. And this week, would you continue to posture yourself laying before Jesus? So this week, one of my steps of obedience was actually to literally lay on my face right? Just as a posture of like, Lord, I need you. I need you in my own brokenness of what I am weak to do. And I need you in my own, my own areas of self-deception. Do you know what the hardest part of self-deception is? You don't know where it is <laughs> and you're deceived, right? We don't know. We don't know where it is until it's revealed. It's a gift, right? So 
to lay on my face before Jesus. The joy of that, right? Where he stays there with us to put us in our right minds. So church, that was my word for us this morning. I want to encourage you. May we live that out in community. May we continue to be the people of Jesus because of our posture towards Jesus. Right? Well, may the Lord speak through this. May God continue to get your attention uh, through this today. May, uh, may you find room and may you find as you lay before Jesus, oh, he, he meets your brokenness with, with the healing power that only Jesus can do. May the lies of the self-deception be spoken to by the authority of the truth of God who says, I will not reject you. I will not lose you. I will take a hold of you. Oh, and may healing of the mind, body, and soul take place. Amen. Thanks, Bo. Um, I, before we uh, unmute and allow everyone to chat, um, I just wanted to send us out with a couple um, points to consider or opportunities to, to consider. Uh, it, it grabbed me in the story that Bo shared that Jesus went to the demoniac. So Jesus pursued and went to. Jesus didn't wait for him to come to the temple. And so while Bo was talking, there was a bit of a thread going on and I really appreciated it. Norm's heart is heavy for those who are not on Zoom, for those that are in our community that are not on Facebook Live. Um, they long for one Sunday a month to connect. And for whatever reason, some of them, uh, it varies. And so my first thought for us um, as a people of welcome, um, Jesus showed welcome to the demoniac, not by waiting for the, the, for the man to find him. Jesus showed welcome by pursuing him. And so my question for you this week is who do you not see on Zoom? Who's somebody that you used to share space with in the church? They're, they're part of the family. And would you ask the Lord to bring to, to your mind one name? And then would you take a step towards them just to encourage them in the body, just to encourage them in their faith, to encourage them in the fact that they're probably experiencing isolation and that they're missing, even as James uh, you know, brought up at the beginning, they're missing the pew, right? They're, mo they're missing sitting in a space that was sacred. And so could you go and could you bring that sacredness to them? My, my second point is this, um, when we talk about being a people of welcome, uh, there's, there's about 13,000 kids in Michigan's foster care system. And so many of them are teenagers. And I just want to tell you this, we had a beautiful 15 year old named Jaden that stayed with us. He stayed with us three different times because of there's so much transition in his life. And he was here this week as an 18 year old learning to drive with my son, Rome. 
that's powerful. Tina and I felt like we had failed Jaden. Tina and I felt the weight that Jaden experienced so much transition as a teen in foster care that he couldn't find his footing in any home. And yet as an 18 year old, he's bound together with Rome and Rome is passing on something that he's learned, which is how to drive a car. I say this because these children have not experienced welcome and there's so much opportunity. It doesn't mean that you would become a foster parent, but it might mean that you become a caregiver who's willing to be a babysitter because you actually have to go through training and be certified in order to be a babysitter for a child that's in foster care. So Tina and I have like a very short list of people that are allowed to babysit. There's opportunity even just to, to get involved in the cause, to spread the word, to be a champion. There's, there's ways to get financially. If you do, we want to do that, I encourage you to do that. Go to, go to judsoncenter.org, go to childsafemichigan.org and, and, and give if that's the way that you can participate. But there, th this is an opportunity for the church to lead our, our state. If the church stepped up, there would not be 13,000 children in foster care and with a majority of the teens in group homes, which is a kind way of saying that they are in, uh, uh, the word escapes me now. But as you're going through your week, think about um, what does welcome look like? It may mean stepping out. It may mean creating a space in your home. Um, it certainly isn't restricted to Zoom. But uh, as the Lord is extending our hearts to be mindful of others, um, may we find super practical ways to do that. And if you want contacts for, um, for Child Safe or for Judson Center, they're in the chat. But if you want personal uh, cell phone numbers, I've got them <laughs> and I can connect you. So. Um, Lord, make us a people of welcome. Uh, for, for those of us that are still in the process of um, struggling with selfish ambition, Lord, may we repent today. For those of us that are struggling uh, in that place of self-importance, for those of us that are struggling with um, eyes that... Um, continue to drift back to ourselves. May we take that posture of laying before you. And so Father, I ask for your, um, your spirit to quicken in us what repentance looks like as a people. And so I, I go first. I say, oh, Father, I repent. Selfish ambition drives me to consider myself first, my comfort first the things that I enjoy first. And Father, I ask that you grow my heart to be like yours, that I would look for the good of others first. And God, I ask that you, you would continue to shape, shape us as a people whom you desire to dwell among. And may your name be praised and may your name be famous in our neighborhoods and our networks because of who you are 
and we submit to that. Thank you, Lord, for your grace, your mercy that renews every morning. And thank you for the invitation to do your work, to join you in the world. I just pray in Christ's name. Amen. Bo's going to unmute and we can all chat and uh, bless you. Thank you all so much. What a wonderful day together and encouragement. Chat amongst yourselves. <laughs> Sorry, Nate, I muted you right there at the end, but everybody. That's, okay. That's okay. That's I started swearing a lot right there, so <laughs> that was perfect. <laughs> uh, so everybody, if you do want to stay and hang out, all right, throw it on gallery view. Feel free to unmute and and uh, say hello, wave, chat together. <laughs> What does Mr. Nate have on his chin? That's a beer. <laughs> hi, Kinsley. Yeah. Hi. Say hi. Where are you going? Oh. oh, it's a big kid. Taking forever. Were you eating? I sure eating. I eating a sandwich. You were eating a sandwich. <laughs> Ah, uh, Harvey. <laughs> Orphanage. <laughs> that was the word. Hi, Corinne. I mean, uh, not Christian. Hi, Christian. Hi. Hi. I saw Robbie there for a second too. Right, word. right when we haven't been together, you see these kids and they're just growing so big. Sawyer, my word. Hi. Well, hello. Hi, Kinsley. Your little brother's not so little. <laughs> Hi, Jeff. Hi, Vicki. Hi, Harvey. Carol just left to, for the showers at, at the Methodist Church in Birmingham, so she'll be gone until about four o'clock. Okay. So yeah. It's raining outside. They could give them a bar of soap and. Oh. <laughs> could do it. How many do they get through there in a day? Uh, last, last Sunday, they, um, 14 people took showers. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So. The only thing I got left to do is take a nap. <laughs> uh. Hi, Jenny. Nice to see you all. So last Friday, we went and picked apple out at Spicer's with my mom. And I you know, made a couple things of banana of uh, apple bread, which is really apple cake and uh, haven't gotten to processing anything more. And then it's like this weight of like, I have all these apples and I need to do something. So while you were talking today, Bo, and other people were doing things, I peeled an entire crock pot. 
Thank, thank you for keeping my brain busy while my hands were busy. <laughs> That's we're beautiful. We can make all the things. That is beautiful, right? And then share with the neighbors who always come over and share with me. The Thank same you. one that got the fire pit. So. That is awesome. So who knew too that you could uh, like, that you'd be gathering as the church with the church peeling apples. <laughs> hey Norm. Oh, he's on live now. <laughs> Norm, I know you're talking and you look like you're deep in thought, but you're muted. There you go. Can you hear us now? Yeah. How you doing, guys? Thanks. Hi, Norm. <laughs> good, to, good to see you. I'll see you Wednesday. Definitely, definitely. So, so I kind of had a new project that I did over in my room the last couple days. Uh because I got rid of my king size bed because uh, it was broken six months ago. Oh. And then Abby may or may not have had bed bug issues. We weren't sure, but we got rid of her full bed and she had a blow up one. And then I gave her my queen and then I had the blow up. But it was a big, long drama trying to figure out whether or not there was or wasn't. So we just got rid of everything. Wow. So um, I got... Um, a twin bed thing off Kelly's Royal Oak give and receive things. And then there's this other lady I knew that was sure on a queen mattress. So she gave me that. So what I have rigged up here is what I call a king short. So what it is, is it's a queen size bed turned sideways, but on top of a twin size frame, but then I got this thing at carpet to go over the walls because the wall gets really, really cold because it's an exterior wall. And then the no standing sign is because I've stood up and knocked the ceiling thing off before, but it works for just me and the dog. And uh, apparently it's just long enough for me. So it works quite well. And I have two more feet of walking space all the way across my, my room now. Great. So, oh, and this candle right there, that was from Christina Crawford, if you're still on there. And I finally lit, lit that, and I think it is lemon, lemon verbena. And I don't know what a verbena is, but that is the most soothing, calming, uh, relaxing candle. It's so, so slow burning and just like doesn't even flicker. It's perfect. So thank you for that, Christina. Um, you should buy them for your friends and give them to her because she makes good candles. Yes. That is awesome. uh, real, real, real quick, uh, as some of you remember, out in our church service in the parking lot, uh, Pastor Bob prayed for me because I was out every day passing out literature and I fell off the porch twice. This week, I slowed down. I didn't fall off the porch at all. And someone I was having coffee with yesterday said, well, you, you probably just slowed down. You were more careful, but you know what it was? It was because of bull prayed and the Holy Spirit and God was with me all week. It wasn't just me. I mean, thank you both for that prayer and uh, thank, the, thank God and the Holy Spirit for being with me. So 
I'm I'm good I'm good for another week and that'll be that. We're we're gonna quit passing out literature next Saturday. So but thank you for the prayer. We praise God for overseeing you and protecting you, right? That he hears our cries for whatever our need is, right? Harvey, right. we praise right. God for you and your mobility, right? We praise God for caring for you and protecting you. And we say, God, thank you, thank you. And Lord, continue to oversee your servant, Harvey. His body, his days are yours. Yes, yes, thank you. Thank you. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cut off. Uh, Vicki and Dave, I'm gonna give you a call. Uh, God bless you, Norm. We'll see you Wednesday. Um, yep. Revelation five and six is what we're going to be on. Hi, Kate. Hi, Kate. Hi, Grant. Good to see you. Okay. Okay. Guys. All right. Bye, y'all. Okay, bye, everybody. You guys Daddy. were unmuted for a second, I think. Kate, were you trying to say something? You're muted still. Oh, you should be. Yeah, but I can't hear you though. Here, say. I'm gonna miss the snake. I want the snake. Can you hear us? Yes. All right, now we can. Okay. I was stop. I was just gonna say that I love you guys and I miss you. Oh, uh, we love you too and miss you. And I know your brother there is trying to act like the audio isn't working. He's just moving his lips because he, yeah, my brother. he is your brother, right? That's what older yeah. brothers do. Yeah. <laughs> Continue, Grant, please. Grant, you look like you're 16. <laughs> Grant's aging quickly during this time away. You look like you're 16. Kate, Kate, I've never seen you with glasses. Really? No. She's really? never seen you without her glasses. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hey Grant, are you? I like in... those. I like those glasses. Thank you. Grant, are you in eighth grade? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Seriously, his face is like getting old in a good way. And you're Kate, you're in well. No, you just tested it. Kate, are you in sixth grade? Seventh. Seventh. So you can both go to youth group and bug Marioline. <laughs> yeah. Good. I went a couple weeks ago and I got to bug her. Perfect. Grant, how about you? Yep. Good. She needs people to bug her. Yeah. Yep. You think she's top dog. You gotta, you gotta, you know, challenge her for that status. Grant's great at bugging people. He'll do a good job. Thank you, Kate. Thank you. Kate, <laughs> hey, I saw the poem that you wrote for those boo bags, your poetry. Oh. That was awesome. I don't know if you might tell you or not, but I think that words are a gift, right? And to be able to write those and to express them and stuff. And I thought that just made those little bags just beautiful, right? It was like another layer of beauty to it. So that was just really cool. So I remember reading it and saying that to your mom, but I get a chance to see you here. So continue to write, right? Let your creativity and God give you words and express all that beauty and creation. So let it be, God, more and more of great expression come from you. So thank you for sharing that. And I love just how you did that and gave that as a gift. That was just so cool. Thank you. It was fun to give them out around the neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah. 
And did you do your whole, uh, did you do your whole circle there or did you pick? No, we just did like five. How'd you decide? Um, we just, at, no, we asked God and we just like saw if we both got, if, if more than one person got the same family, then we do that person. Or if one of us just felt strongly about one, then we just kind of go with our gut feeling of who to do. And one of them, we, we had a gut feeling to do and we delivered it and they're um, Jesus followers and we gave it to them. And guess what? It was their anniversary that day. <laughs> and it was so perfect. And they were like so happy and they felt really blessed. And it was like, it was awesome. We didn't even know it was their anniversary. That Super is so cool, cool right? I like that. That's a great, um, even the way that you guys did that with five, as far as even looked for connections, that's really smart. I'm going to encourage that too, where you're looking for people to say, Hey, is there, is there agreement? Right. That's why I've always yeah, testing what we're hearing or, or in the community. And yeah, the stronger gut to it too. That's great. <laughs> I want, I, I want it upside down, Grant. <laughs> upside down. Impress me. From the top down. He's trying to, he's climbing on the table right now. He's trying to figure out how to do it. I know he can. He is a, it's all about illusion, right? It's all about. Yeah, sorry in advance if I like break your monitor. It would be worth it for your family, but it'd be worth it for me. Yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah if we got that shoulder out of there, then we'd believe it. Oh, I'm still filming. Maybe too. your dad, maybe your dad should grab your feet and lift <laughs> with you and just bring you down in front of it. 